Get ready to talk some baseball. Welcome to the King's Corner Talking Baseball with Jim Layritz. From spring training to the World Series and beyond to the postseason, Jim and his guests tell it like it is and have all of the bases covered. Now, here's Jim Layritz. Welcome, everyone, and what a day, what a week it has been since I talked to you guys last Friday. Opening days are underway. We have more opening day today. And, of course, this is just the teams that are on the road. Of course, we'll have a couple opening days next week. But nothing like yesterday, of course. Uh, we did have opening day, I'm sorry, in Japan. But we really don't count that. That's, that was Oakland and Seattle. And, well, you know what? We just let them go in Japan and play a little bit out there. Anyway, the opening day, of course, yesterday was actually started on Wednesday in Florida with the Marlins in St. Louis. But honestly, I think yesterday to every fan out there, to everybody out there, was the really true opening day. And wow, what a bunch of games that we had. Let's just real quick recap yesterday's games. Yesterday's games, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. Roy Holiday takes the mound, goes eight strong innings. We have a one nothing victory with Jonathan Papelbon getting his first save as a Philadelphia Philly. The Florida Marlins now, like I mentioned before, opening on Wednesday, but also the opening day in Cincinnati gets shut out for nothing. The first shutout in Cincinnati history since 1980 with Johnny Cueto going seven strong innings, even though Mark Burley pitched a good game for the Marlins. In, in Washington, and in Chicago, actually, the Cubs in Washington played a 2-1 to victory for this Washington on this opening day with Steven Strasburg getting his first start, going seven strong innings for, uh, for, for the Nationals. And, of course, the Cubs looked like they were going to have their first win, but Kerry Wood came in and gave it up. First blow and save for Kerry Wood this year, and Carlos Malmol got the loss as the Washington Nationals start off the season 1-0 with a 2-1 victory. In New York, with the Mets, honoring the kid, Gary Carter, of course, who unfortunately passed with us this past this offseason, uh, honoring Gary with the, with the tribute with the number and everything else, and the debut of Johan Santana, who had not pitched since September 2nd, 2010, uh, getting his first start, and of course, giving them five strong innings. Uh, no decision only giving up three hits, but they had to be encouraged by that outing. And David Wright with the RBI game-winning single uh, in the sixth inning, finally getting the Mets on the board and, and the Mets holding on to a one nothing victory as they gave tribute to Gary Carter. In the late game, it was the Dodgers and the Padres to finish off the National League schedule. And Matt Kemp lit, starting off right where he left off. With a two-for-five performance, a home run, and three RBIs, it looked like Clayton Kershaw was going to cruise to his first victory. Unfortunately, he had to leave the game in the third inning due to the flu-like symptoms. So we'll keep an eye on that for next week to see if Kershaw bounces back from that sickness. Over in the American League, two great games, kind of one making history and the other one kind of a history maker, but not really. Detroit and Boston will start with, and it was looking like Justin Verlander had picked up right where he left off from his Cy Young and MVP season with eight strong innings, leaving with a one nothing lead. And, of course, Jose Valverde, Mr. 49 out of 49 last year, comes in. Here's a guy who's not blown a save in 51 chances. Well, I guess you can tell by my lead-in. I'm going to tell you, he blew his first save opening day. He is going to have to start a new streak this year. His first blow-in save since September also, 2010. 
And fortunately, though, Austin Jackson was able to get the winning hit and make Prince Fielder's debut in a Tiger uniform successful as the Tigers take a 3-2 victory. Now, in Cleveland, the Blue Jays and Indians make history. The longest opening day game ever to be played in National League history or in Major League history. The Blue Jays going 16 innings and Chris Irasiba getting a game-winning three-run home run after trying to lay down a sacrifice butt that he couldn't get down. Ends up getting the game winner in the 16th inning, giving the Blue Jays a 7-4 to victory. All right. Great, great opening day games. We also have a few more on tap today. Like I mentioned, let me go down that list real quick. We've got the Angels and the Albert Pujols debut versus the Royals with Jared Weaver versus Bruce Chen. The Yankees open against the Devil, the Devil Rays. I'm sorry, just the Rays down there in Tampa as Sabathia versus Shields. The White Sox and the debut of Robin Ventura as manager go up against the Texas Rangers, the AL champs. And two guys getting their first starts ever on opening day, John Danks versus Kobe Lewis. And, of course, the Twins and the Orioles round out the American League schedule today with Pavano versus Arietta. So in the National League, the Colorado Rockies and the 49-year-old. Nope, I'm not going to even say it. I won't go there. The Rockies and the Astros with Guthrie versus Rodriguez. And Jamie Moore will be making his debut later. I, I had to say it. And the Giants and the D-backs, two of the National League West winners the last two years, open up against each other with Lindsey Combe versus Ian Kennedy. And, of course, last year's NLCS Game 7 starters, Jaime Garcia and Giovanni Gerardo, open up the Cardinals versus the Brewers. So we got some great games on, on tact. And, of course, I'm out here in Los Angeles in L.A., and... Uh, you know, we're excited. We got the Dodgers' first win under the belt and the debut of Albert Pools and the New Look Angels. Lots of excitement, lots of things going on here. But I tell you what, I got two guests on my show today that had a lot of excitement themselves. And one of my first guests is going to be a good friend of mine and a Florida Marlins fan for the last 19 years or however long they've been in existence uh, who has not missed an opening day since. And I'm going to bring him on in just a minute, a guy named Todd Watson. We're a good friend of mine and a guy that was at opening day for the new stadium. And a little later in the show, we're going to have WQAM radio host Sid Rosenberg to even give us more information on what went on in that locker room and what went on in that stadium and give, give us a little bit more of what this new ballpark and this new look Marlins are all about. But let me start off by saying, I listen, I don't know about you, but watching the highlights on ESPN, the new stadium, the dancing flamingo girls the whole thing that goes on out there down there in miami uh you know muhammad ali being there uh in this new stadium right where the orange bowl used to be which is going to take me a little while to get used to because uh, my buddy todd watson used to take me to all the miami hurricane games and got to get used to seeing this new stadium but it looked beautiful and let's talk to somebody who was sitting there as i got to see him on all the highlights on espn right behind home plate with one of his buddies that he goes to all the game, Bob Raymer. Uh, let's bring in Todd Watson, a Marlin fan. Todd, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing okay, Jimmy. How about yourself? 
Hey, listen, man, I am so excited. I tell you what, opening day, uh, you know, it, it, there's nothing like baseball in the beginning. And Todd, you and I have been to so many games down there at the old stadium, which was the football stadium. Tell me what it was like. I saw you on the ESPN highlights sitting there with Raymer uh, get, you know, watching the game. Tell me what it was like, number one. Take us through the whole event that day, pulling into the new parking lot. Of course, you and I are used to parking you know, in people's backyards during the Miami Hurricane games. Tell us what it was like about pulling in and just walking into that new stadium. Tell me a little bit about what you thought. It was very special, Jimmy, as we uh, talked about. And um, there is still uh, people's parking uh, front lawns for those who aren't fortunate enough to have one of the few garage parking spots. So it still has the flavor of the old Orange Bowl. They even uh, did a tribute. They have uh, special street signs um, and special um, decorations that will remind you that you are at the Orange Bowl. And I had several friends that got down early and got the VIP treatment from somebody's, no, they call it no blocky, which uh, you pay and you make sure you're uh, not blocked in. But uh, it really was special, Jimmy. And listening to even Alex Rodriguez, a uh, native Floridian, Miamian, saying uh, that he got, you know, goosebumps and uh, just it was a special moment even for A-Rod. So you can imagine what a special moment it, is, it was for someone like myself that sat at many, uh, you know, pro player, Dolphin Stadium, Joe Robbie, whatever you want to call it, a football field, um, it just well, was Tell me not... a little bit about that. Real quick, Todd, let me, let me interrupt you real quick. Tell me a little bit about that. What was the difference? You know, I, I've been there with so many games with you. I, I can't imagine. What was it like? I mean, did you feel like you were sitting in a baseball field? It was much, much different. I always loved pro player. We had great times, as you had said. But this was definitely an intimate feeling of um, just everything was over the top, Jimmy. They really did it down to the soups and nuts and literally the soups and the nuts. There was so much different kinds of food. Um, just just the, the whole feel. When the dome is closed, it is going to be one of the loudest stadiums. And when the dome is open... Um, it, it's just special. The moon was out, and it really uh, is a totally different feel. And, you know, you were speaking about me and my special seats, but the one thing that I've heard from many, many people is that the worst seat in the house at the new Miami Stadium is a phenomenal seat, and while you're ordering your special food, you can still see they made it an open-air uh, vending so while you're waiting in line, you're still watching the game instead of the old TVs that uh, oh, you know, nice. used to watch. Yeah, so it's pretty nice. special. Nice. Now, what about all the uh, the color and pageantry that was around that stadium? I mean, you know, is it is it you were sitting behind home plate, so you kind of had a view of what the the hitters would have. Is that distracting, or is it is that a pretty good background for these hitters to be hitting? Well, it's our green monster, that's for sure. It's a huge right. uh, um, outfield. And as far as the home run extravaganza, uh, we got to see it in operation during the opening ceremonies, but unfortunately we didn't get a home run that <laughs> night. So I can't, uh, you know, I grew up in New York, so I remember the, the apple uh, coming out, and uh, that was cute. 
this is going to be something really special. If we hit a home run, when we hit a home run, it's going to be pretty special. Now, Tawa, tell me a little bit about the atmosphere that day. Like I said, you know, you, you mentioned just all the people coming down, excitement. Tell me a little bit walking into the stadium. When you walked in there, what did you see that just really stood out? Like, well, what is the one thing that, if you want to tell people to look for when they go to that stadium, what is the one thing that you, you would tell them to look for? Air condition, but uh, yeah, there you that, go. It was it was electric feeling. It was people outside. I mean, just as you said, being a ball player, being a sports fan, opening day is always special. Every team, uh, even if they really know that their lineup is not as strong as others, they get the feeling that this is their year, and it's an electric feeling for anybody. But being in Miami at this new monstrosity that literally looks like a spaceship has landed from the highway, getting there, uh, they were smart enough to open the stadium like at noon, or I think the parking lot's opened at 3 for a 7.05 game. So anybody who had the, for, you know, was fortunate enough to get out of work or school that went down early had no worries, no hassles. There was an electric feeling outside. Um, they had a DJ. They had outside vending. You could buy shirts. And it was, as most opening days are, a really electric feeling. And once inside, though, forget about it. It was so over the top. Um, fireworks. Uh, as you said, the, fl- the Flamingo uh, entrance. I mean, when we first saw the uniforms, we, we, as even the players, thought, this is not baseball. But when you digested it and realized this is Miami baseball, I love the uniforms. It's different. And just like you know that, like, um, uh, soccer cleats, the over-the-top, you know, wild colors, if you're no good, then it looks foolish. But if we're a good team, the electric colors are going to just make us more awesome and, uh, Everybody, um, I like it. Todd, you know, we talk about what's going on down there in Miami. Of course, you have the, the Heat, of course, we've got now Dwayne Wade and, and LeBron James. Uh, the football team now with the ownership that they have have kind of gone a little more Hollywood. Do you see this as being the Marlins' opportunity now to really stay, make this South Florida into more of a media capital more of a uh where, where there's a lot of people going to be taking a lot of interest in and and really putting miami on the map well the proof's in the pudding uh the off-season signings we almost even got albert Pujols, which many people say was smart that we didn't but i won't go there because i would have loved to have them um but the signings that we got and the money that we spent after 19 years as you said um of watching us get negative press, and watch, you know, when we beat the Yankees in 2003, nobody gave us a chance. Um, So to finally be the talk of baseball, um, whether it's, you know, we both know you got to do it on the field. So we're already 0-2, and, you know, uh, we got a a lot of season left, so I'm not too concerned about that. But on paper... I mean, the New York Times, I was told by a a friend that Sunday's New York Times had the Detroit Tigers and the Miami Marlins in the World Series. I said that and $9 gets you a cup of coffee, but 
the idea is just that we're in the paper and that we're getting this kind of press as somebody that's been through the years of uh, abuse and heat. Uh, it's a great feeling, a great well, feeling. That, that's what I wanted to ask you. you. know, One of the things that was really a concern of a lot of people that uh, have been down to where the Hurricanes played, you know, the old Orange Bowl. Um, tell me a little bit, you know, you've been to Yankee Stadium with me and uh, in, in, in that big monstrosity that they have there in New York. What is it like? What What is there around there? Is because my biggest fear, Todd, is that during the season, as the season progresses, these seven o'clock games, we know how traffic is getting down there. You know, and I I can I saw it here the other night when I went to the L.A. Angels game in L.A. You know, people can't show up till the third or fourth inning because of traffic. What was? What do you think as far as the traffic goes? Is there anything around that stadium, like restaurants or think something that they can do that people can come down a little bit early? and be able to, to maybe forego some of that traffic? Because I see that might be in a problem. Well, you, hit, you definitely, they're, they're trying. I can tell you that David Sampson um, is trying to address that on a daily basis. As far as parking and eating somewhere nice and walking, forget about it. But um, they are having a free trolley that looks like the San Francisco trolley that is now, I saw at least a half a dozen of them. And... So they are going to try to keep the flavor, as you said, but if they open up the stadium hours early, it really is, um, it has a menu that just, I mean, I was in San Francisco with you, and that park's unbelievable, and the food was great. This, this, this uh, stadium is as good or better than San Francisco, and yes, being at opening day with you in Yankee Stadium, I'll never forget but um, I feel this one, I just, it, it's, it's something special to be down there. And the vast menu uh, that they have is just over the top, Jimmy. I mean, from a lobster roll to a Cuban hot dog to they even have a, a bean burger, you know, for the vegetarians. Um, so they're really trying. And the prices weren't too crazy, including something I thought was very fan-friendly, uh, regular, you know, probably $4 soft drink is uh, unlimited refills. So if you, got, if you have three boys the way you do, um, we both know that one soda is not going to cut it. And even though, uh, the, you know, you don't want them drinking gallons of soda, it's better than spending uh, $100 for that as well. All right, Todd, you've watched this team in the past. You've seen them before. 37000 opening day. What do you think? You think these, they're going to be able to put a team on the field that they're going to be able to continue to draw these fans in? Well, my uh, first of all, you hit the nail on the head. Ozzy said the same thing that if we don't bring a product on the field, nobody, you know, it doesn't matter how beautiful the stadium is. But I am uh, skeptical to say the least because I am in South Florida and I've seen uh, many stadiums empty. So that was another thing I meant to bring up before. You said, how did it feel? It felt great to see every seat in the stadium taken. Uh, so will it last? Only time will tell. Uh, it's a tough, you talked about uh, Bob Raymer, Mr. Marlin. He comes from, you know, Boca, and uh, he, he was at all 81 games most years, and I don't think he's going to make it to 81 games this year. It's just too much uh, trouble for him. So only time will tell, Jimmy. I'm going to stay optimistic, but I'm definitely skeptical. Well, buddy, I look forward to getting down there and seeing the new stadium. We, we 
added so many memories at the old one. And of course, that wasn't even a baseball stadium. So I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time. And uh, we'll be talking soon. All right, man. Anytime. Uh, anytime for the King. You know that. And uh, anytime you're down here, Jimmy, uh, be my pleasure. All right, buddy. Well, thanks for having Thanks for joining us. And we'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. All right. That is a fan perspective of the new Marlin Stadium. Of course, like I just mentioned, at 9.30, we're going to have Sid Rosenberg come up and talk to us a little bit more about uh, the Florida Marlins, the new stadium, the, the pomp and circumstance that went on opening day. And, of course, uh, everything baseball with Sid, because Sid is, has his own show on WQAM. So we'll be talking to him soon. But right now we are going to take a break, and I will be back to go over the opening days again in a little more detail this time. And we will have sit on at 9.30, so we will be back in a few minutes. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Jim Lahrens is a two-time World Series champion, motivational speaker, and author of Catching Heat, a brutally honest book about the highs and lows of a professional athlete and life after baseball. Most people know Jim as a man who has always beaten the odds. Jim has never forgotten that with hard work, dedication, and God's power, one can overcome anything. Visit JimLayritz.com to get a copy of Jim's book or to schedule Jim for your next corporate fundraiser or event. The address again is JimLayritz.com. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're inside the King's Corner talking baseball with Jim Lairitz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at jemlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. And like you just heard, call in, email, and you may get your chance, just like Todd Watson did today, to be able to go on and talk about your experience at a stadium, a new ballpark, or maybe an opening day for the first time that you've been at. So send me an email. Send me something that you want to talk about. Maybe, you want, like I said, maybe one of your experiences that did you go to the Mets game yesterday? Did you go to, you know, one of the opening days where you experienced something that you might want to talk about? So yeah, email me or call in. Uh, and we'll talk about it. But listen, one thing I will mention, and we will be talking about it all week, and there'll be promos on it, is we will be moving to Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific time. 
just to give me a little bit more of a chance to to get some guys on the West Coast uh, on the show a few more times because I'm sorry, guys. I used to be a ball player. Nine o'clock in the morning, you're not going to catch me up during the season. We play, you know, games don't end till eleven. We don't get home till twelve or one. You know, we we sleep in in the mornings, and uh, I didn't want to jip any of my listeners or any of my fans out of there that, that are listening, not to be able to hear some from some of the guys on the West Coast and teams out here. And, of course, I'm in the West Coast, so it makes it a little bit easier for me to uh, get some interviews from the ballparks. So we will be moving till Thursday at 11 a.m. starting next week. And next week, we will be coming live to you from New York, where I will be there for the Yankees Opening day, starting on Friday the 13th, uh, and on Thursday, I will be coming to you. Hopefully, we'll have a couple Yankee old-timers uh, that I'll be able to bring on the show and talk a little bit about their memories of opening day at the old Yankee Stadium uh, before we all go to the welcome home dinner that night for the Yankees. So, next week, Thursday at 11 a.m., coming to you live from New York. So... Let's get back to yesterday's games. Of course, like I said, opening day, what a tremendous debut. We had three shutouts in the National League. Unbelievable, some of the pitching. And, you know, one of the things that I really are interested in, and, and I'm going to talk to a lot of people about hopefully during the week, is the weather. It's the first time. And I'm telling you, as a former player, I wore sleeves every opening day. I usually had to wear a jacket when I was in the dugout. And maybe... Al Gore's right. Maybe this is global warming because yesterday, every opening day was sunny, beautiful. I didn't see any fans out there with jackets and, and freezing cold or anything like that. So very interesting observation that I had yesterday of the way the weather was. But let's run down the games real quick from yesterday. We had, let's start off with the American League because we only had two games in that, that area. We had Justin Verlander, like I mentioned earlier, going eight strong innings picking up right where he left off from his MVP season, going into the eighth with a one nothing lead. And, of course, Jose Valverde, like I mentioned, blew his first save. He was 49 for 49 last year and actually 51 out of 51, dating back to September 2nd, 2010, which ironically is the same time Johan Santana had his last start. Um, but blowing his first save with a two-run, uh, with an RBI double, by Ryan Sweeney in the ninth inning by the the White uh, the Red Sox to tie it up, but to save the day, Austin Jackson got the game winning hit in the ninth to still give Valverde the victory and give the Detroit Tigers and of course Prince Fielder's debut. Just like he should be doing, he gets a base hit his first time up, so he had a successful debut with a hit and a win. So of course the Detroit Tigers off to a three to two victory in their first game in the other American league. We mentioned earlier 16 inning history making game with the blue Jays coming off with a three run home run by Arecibia in the 16th inning, a three run blast. And it was kind of funny. If you watch the game, this is a guy that end runners on first and second. They want him to bunt the runners over. He couldn't do it. And then it ends up hitting a game winning three run home run, uh, for the, for the Blue Jays to get a 7-4 to victory on their opening day. We switch it over to the National League, and as I mentioned, what a pitching debut for this entire league. Not just one game, not just two games, but every game played 
with the exception of the Dodger game, because Clayton Kershaw got sick in the third inning, was a pitcher's duel. And we'll start off by in Philadelphia, where everyone was worried about Roy Holiday. What is Roy Holiday going to do? Is he going to start off? Well, Roy Holiday goes eight innings, gives up two hits, and Jonathan Papelbon gets his first save. Roy, Roy Holiday's 10th start opening day gets the win. Of course, Eric Bedard pitched great for the Pirates. Seven innings, six hits, four Ks, but comes up with the loss as Carlos Ruiz drove in the only run of the game. In Chicago, the Cubs with the new look, of course, with Theo Epstein's blueprint and Bill Murray, of course, throwing out the first pitch, as always. Steven Strasburg for Washington gets his first opening day starts, goes seven strong innings, giving up one run, five hits and five Ks, but only to be matched by Ryan Dempster who went seven and two-thirds of an inning with two hits and ten Ks. Kerry Wood comes in, ends up walking two guys, ties the game up. Carlos Mamal comes on and gets the loss. So Ian Desmond had the game-winning hit in the ninth. And Brad Lidge, yes, Brad Lidge, the former Philly closer, in a new role with the Chicago, with the uh, Washington Nationals, Gets his first save with a great play by Ryan Zimmerman at third base to seal the victory. So the Washington Nationals off to a 2-1 to one victory in their first game. We also had the Mets and the Braves. And like I mentioned before, a tribute to the late Gary Carter as they retired the kids number. And the 86 Mets on hand to give tribute to Gary. And Johan Santana getting his first start in, since September of 2010 also. Five innings, two hits, five Ks. As Hanson for the Braves also has a good opening day start, but ends up giving up a RBI single to David Wright in the sixth to break a 0-0 tie and give Frankie Francisco his first save of the Mets a one nothing shutout. We also now shoot over to Florida, where... Actually, let's go to the, the Padres first. The Padres were the late game. And, of course, Clayton Kershaw and the M&M boys, I mean the K-boys. I'm sorry, I always call them the M&M boys. The K-boys from L.A., starting where they left off. But Clayton Kershaw gets sick and has to leave after three innings. But Matt Kemp, able to go two for five with a home run, drives in three RBIs, and they get the win, five to three. So... The last but not least game, as I just got done off the phone with Todd Watson, a big fan for the Marlins, talking about the new stadium. The Florida Marlins opened up the second opening day in as many days against the Cincinnati Reds. And the first time since 1980, Johnny Cueto goes seven strong innings. And the Cincinnati Reds shut out the Marlins four to nothing. Their first, like I said, their first shutout since 1980 for the Reds on opening day as Jay Bruce gets a big home run, two RBIs, as the Reds win four to nothing. But like I mentioned, this was the Marlins' second opening day. Their first opening day took place on Wednesday against the St. Louis Cardinals, the defending World Series champions. And it was a new ballpark. It was a new team. It was Flamingo Girls, Muhammad Ali. What more could, I mean, I'm talking about South Florida at its best. And coming on the air with me right now is the WQAM host of his own show, Sid 
Rosenberg and Sid's an old buddy of mine from New York. Sid, tell me a little bit about how you felt about the new stadium and the Marlins opening day. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Jimmy. Uh, first of all, it's great to be on with you and uh, talk to you today. But it, it was exciting. You know, I uh, I was there Sunday as well for the uh, for one of those two exhibition games against your former team, the New York Yankees. And the uh, you know the place is gorgeous. The enthusiasm level very very high on both Sunday and Monday for the two, two games against the Yankees. And then, of course, certainly Wednesday night was uh, a very spirited Miami crowd. It's, Gorgeous ballpark, Jimmy. You know, they're living these out differently than the uh, than the old days. You know, Camden Yards and even uh, Yankee Stadium. But they're not they're not huge. And, and, and uh, you know, well, sometimes ballparks are too big. This is a much more cozier experience. Uh, it's air conditioned inside. And I went on a Sunday afternoon game against the Yankees. When I came inside the building, Jimmy, 88 degrees and sunny in Miami that day, and I got inside and it was 70 degrees and cool. So you look at the dimensions, the size of the ballpark. Some of the cool things the ballpark has from the old days of the, the orange bowl, the football stuff, uh, right to down, right to the temperature in your seats. And all in all, it is a magnificent baseball experience now in Miami. Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine. I can remember taking my kids to some of the games down there, Sid, and we couldn't last more than three or four innings because of the weather. And, you know, just being able to have that, that controlled atmosphere. And like you said, just, just the, uh, the fan experience has to be so much better than that old football stadium that they were stuck in for so many years. And you know, tell me a little bit about where you were you at opening day with the Mar with the Marlins and the and the St. Louis Cardinals? You know, I was not at that game, uh, believe it or not, Jimmy, because I had gone, like I said, Sunday to the Marlins and Yankees and Wednesday night I was uh I was actually given the task. It was the same exact night down here that the Heat were taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder and of course that may very well be a preview of the of the NBA Finals. And you know, Oklahoma City beat the Heat by 16 going back a couple of weeks ago. And Dwayne Wade had not played the night before. He was coming back for this game. And this was a chance for Miami to exact revenge on a team that some people now think uh, may be better than Miami, maybe the best team in the NBA. So I'll make a long story short. Uh, I got a chance to see the, the brand-new, beautiful Marlins Stadium on Sunday. And Wednesday night, instead of going with the Marlins Cardinals, I was in uh, about five miles away, actually, in Miami Beach, checking out the Heat and the Thunder. Yeah, oh yeah, I got to be honest with you. I was doing the same thing. I wanted to see the opening day. I wanted to see the new stadium because I missed the Yankee games. But I, at the same time, yeah, I had to, I had to tune into that Oklahoma Miami because that is probably going to be hopefully the preview of the NBA Finals this year. And you know, the good thing it didn't disappoint at all. So no, no, it didn't. You know, really, another game disappointed. I mean, obviously, the Marlins lost down here and. You know, St. Louis got some real good pitching, as did Cincinnati. The, you know, the Marlins, uh, one of the exciting things about this team beyond the new ballpark in Isaac Guillen is this, this promise, if you will, of a pretty good offensive baseball team with Jose Reyes and Hanley Ramirez and Stanton and Morrison. And here they've got two baseball games that scored a combined total of one run, losing 4-1 to St. Louis on Wednesday. And like you said, being shut up by Johnny Cueto in Cincinnati yesterday. So they've been outscored 8-1 to in their first two games of the season. But with that said, um, you know, it was, it was still, it was still a big night there. And then, of course, the Heat go on and win that basketball game on Wednesday. So that's a big deal for the, for the fans down here. So all in all, a, a pretty good night. But in terms of the Marlins, I think now it's time for this offense to get going because, you know, again, you, you, you have such, such huge potential with this lineup, Jim, and to see them get 1-1 in the first two games combined. You know, baseball is a long season. It's 160 ball games to go, but, an 0-2 start and one run combined after two games, not exactly the way Marlon fans had this one printed out. No, exactly, exactly, especially with everything that, that's gone on there. Sid, 
you know, you and I are both New Yorkers. We've both seen how the Yankees and, the, and that media capital up there and how things take place up there. And now, of course, you're down there in South Florida. We were, we've been together many years down there also. Tell me a little bit about what's going on down there in Miami. And tell me a little bit about the, the, the changing nature of the media business down there and what's going on as far as now that the, you know you have the heat, the, the Dolphins have the new ownership that's a little more, let's just say, Broadway. And, of course, now the Marlins finally unleashing their pocketbooks and really putting a product out there that's pretty much first class. Tell me a little bit about how that changing geography down there is going on. Yeah, you just nailed it, Jim. You know, for so long, this was a football town. It was only about the Miami Dolphins. They were the first team here, and, of course, a great success, as you guys know, early 1970s, going to a couple of Super Bowls, still the only unbeaten team in the history of the National Football League. And right through those Bob Greasy teams to the Dan Marino teams, it was all about Dolphins football down here. And then, of course, if it was not Dolphin football, it was Miami Hurricane football. You know, all those great years that started with Bernie Kosar and Howard Schellenberger in the early 1980s that have seemingly gone on despite the lousy records for, you know, for 30-something years. So it was always football down here. But now, like you said, Jim, you've got the Miami Marlins, who have been down here now for uh, about 20 years. They've won a couple of the World Series. They've got a brand-new stadium, a very exciting manager, and they spent some big-time money. Uh, they're, they're a real deal here. You know, the Florida Panthers, a hockey team that are the longest drought in the National Hockey League. They've gone 11 consecutive seasons without making the playoffs, which is very difficult to do. They bring in Dale Talon, who built a team in Chicago with the Blackhawks up on the Stanley Cup two years ago. And now they find out last night, even though they lost in Washington to the Capitals, that for the first time in 12 years, the Panthers are going back to the playoffs. And yep. with a victory here tomorrow night against Carolina, they can still win the Southeast Division. So they're either going to take on the Rangers or the Devils in the first round of the playoffs. So the hockey team is back in the playoffs. The enthusiasm for the baseball team is at an all-time high and you've got the basketball team, which is, you know, LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, the best show in the NBA, probably the best team in the NBA, and in all likelihood going right back to the NBA Finals. So it's, it's, it's a real town, Jim. You know, like you said, coming from New York with the Mets and the Yankees and the Jets and the Giants and the Rangers, the Islanders and the Devils and the Knicks and the Nets and all the media that goes on up there. Now you've got, a, you know, four legitimate big-time professional sports franchises down here, even though, ironically, the Dolphins are kind of letting the locals down. And a lot of New York media down here, too. Let's face it, Jim. I'm doing afternoons at 5.60 a.m. WQAM, the very first ever sports talk station down here. Now we've got some competition with 790 and guys like Dan Levitard, but we are the first uh, station ever down here. And I man PM Drive, which is maybe the most important you know, uh, portion of the day. And I'm a guy that I spent uh, 34 years up in New York City. So you got the teams bringing in guys like Jose Reyes, the media having guys like Sid Rosenberg and Jim Leyritz. So it, it's Florida. But uh, there's a lot, a lot more of the Northeast influence on this uh, sports market. Oh yeah, and I think I think it's definitely it's definitely working because, like I said, that they, they are, you know, you, like you mentioned, just all the sports teams are all doing so well and starting to put their names on the map that it's opening up bigger doors and bigger things for everybody else. So then we got to take a quick break, real quick. We're going to come back. We're going to talk more about the Marlins baseball and a little bit more about South Florida and what we think possibly. Uh, how this stadium is going to work out for the Marlins. So let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back in just a minute. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. 
He's in the shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left. the left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Jim Lawrence is a two-time World Series champion, motivational speaker, and author of Catching Heat, a brutally honest book about the highs and lows of a professional athlete and life after baseball. Most people know Jim as a man who has always beaten the odds. Jim has never forgotten that with hard work, dedication, and God's power, one can overcome anything. Visit JimLayritz.com to get a copy of Jim's book or to schedule Jim for your next corporate fundraiser or event. The address again is JimLayritz.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're inside the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Lairitz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at jimlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back, and we have WQAM 560 AM, Sid Rosenberg on the line with us talking about the Florida Marlins. And, you know, the Florida Marlins, of course, we just talked about new stadium, new everything else, uh, big, big signings this offseason, spent a lot of money. Sid, you have a weekly show. You, you bring out some of these guys. Tell me about some of the guys that come on your show and what they've been able to say about the Marlins coming up this year. Well, first of all, Jimmy, you know my, my radio show about 10 bucks already because what we do is every time somebody on my show says Florida Marlins because they're now the Miami Marlins. Oh, that's right. One dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I still say Devil Rays. <laughs> yeah, well, I, do the same, I do the same thing. But um, yeah, the guys are great. We've got Heath Bell coming on today from Cincinnati. The Marlins have an off day today, kind of a weird schedule to start the season. Marlins played Wednesday night uh, at home against St. Louis in Cincinnati on Thursday, and they'll play again in Cincinnati on Saturday and Sunday. They've got an off day today, but he still joins us each and every week. He'll be on on Friday. And uh, today, I should say, at 3.45 Eastern time, and Logan Morrison, old Lomo, become a good buddy of mine down here the last year or so. He joins us every week as well. So the Marlins players are very good when it comes to that. The management is very good when it comes to that. And, uh, you know, the guys have a good time, and especially guys like Heath Bell and Lomo, they don't take themselves or, or the team too seriously. Well, that's what I was wondering, Sid, because, I, you know, one of the things that I really enjoy about Really, when I was pl- back when I was playing in the, in the early days, it was discouraged by Mr. Steinbrenner to do any type of, you know, media, radio shows, you know, commercials, things like that. Right now, in today's world, that is totally the opposite. How how much are these ki- these guys and these people involved with the community and and, and the media people out there? Are, are they pretty open to it and are they pretty good about it? Yeah, no, they are. You know, I mean, Logan Morrison especially is a guy that, uh, you know, he, talking about social media and getting out there with the fans, I mean, he tweets about a thousand times a day. He really did work for Lomo last year. It angered the, uh, you know, the Marlins staff and Jack McKean, the old man, was the manager a year ago, and he doesn't know what Twitter is. He thought that was Lomo's dog, to be honest. <laughs> so, you know, Lomo will continuously get himself into trouble by doing that. But, but you know, the, the problem now becomes, how do you tell Lomo not to do it when the manager, Ozzy Guillen, he's on Twitter all day long. The difference is all of Ozzy's tweets are in Spanish. So most of us can't figure out what the hell he's saying anyway. But, um, yeah, when the manager tweets, certainly the ball players are going to have the same, you know, the same freedom. But 
Because these guys are good with that. Yeah, they make their appearances on the radio shows, and they, they tweet uh, some of them on Facebook as well. Uh, I know if I send an email to these guys, they get right back to you. And, and so far, at least, the Marlins seem pretty cool with that. Now, again, 0-2 start. You know how baseball works. You get very knee-jerky early on. And if this baseball team starts the year 6-12 and or 6-13 and after spending $115 million on Reyes and the rest of the money they spent and all that, Maybe they'll go back to where they were last year when things got very, very tight down here. But at least right now, they seem to be having fun. The guys are having fun. They're enjoying the local enthusiasm. And uh, there doesn't seem to be any real uh, prohibits uh, on these ballplayers from doing any of that stuff. All right, Sid, you've been in New York. You've seen things happen with the Giants, with the Yankees, with the Mets, everything else like that. And like you just mentioned, when things are good, they're good. But when things go bad, it can get pretty ugly. Tell me a little bit about how do you think this Marlin team is prepared for that? Of course, with Ozzy Guillen down there, and of course, the situation with Hanley Ramirez at third base. How do you see all this playing out? And what do you think this could be something that further down the road may be, uh, maybe something we have to look out for? Oh, there's no question there's, there's a potential for some type of combustion. When you put together, like you said, a Hanley Ramirez who he's been a real good soldier during spring training, and now he's saying and doing all the right things, but all he needs is that one inning like Dan Ugla had, Yankee Stadium, the All-Star game, making four errors in one inning. Yeah. And, you know, to get up to a smooth start offensively, Hanley has the, the potential to, to absolutely combust. And then you've got, you know, you've got a bunch of guys on this team. Carlos Zambrano, out of the trouble in Chicago many times for, for going crazy. And uh, Reyes is not that type of guy. Jose is actually very fun-loving. And, and uh, as you know, you know, being up there in New York, Jim with the Mets and Yankees, he's, he's not that type of guy. But uh, Lomo's another guy who kind of goes off the deep end every once in a while. So they've got their fair share of guys who can certainly, who can certainly go berserk, and especially with Ozzy Guillen, who may be the craziest of everybody running this ship. Uh, there is the potential, the ability here for it to get really ugly really quickly. So, but I think I think the, the Marlins management feels like they've got the right guy, Ozzy Guillen. If somebody does start to go off board, a Hamley or a Zambrano or somebody, they feel like he's the guy that can handle it. Like I said, he's Latin, so there's a there's more of a connection with the ball players with Ozzy. He's also fearless. So if something does happen to go awry, I think the Marlins have got the right guy in place. But if you're asking me, is the potential there for you know for Three Mile Island right here in Miami? You betcha. All right. One other thing that I just want to talk about real, real quick, too. Just give me your opinion on because you, you've seen it. You've been a part of it. The stadium down there in where the Orange Bowl used to be. And, of course, I know they had 37,000 opening night. Sid, what is what is it going to be like for the Marlins to be able to draw with the the amount of we, we were talking to Todd Watson, one of the, my buddies and a fan of he's been to every single Marlins game over the last few years, telling me a little bit about how he probably won't go to as many games just because of the traffic and the distance to be able to drive. How do you see that playing out? Do you see that affecting the Marlins uh, as far as being able to draw the fans? And do you think they're going to draw twenty twenty five thousand every game? Well, it comes back to what I just talked about. You know, uh, is this thing going to blow up? Not if they win. And now you're asking, are people going to show up? And the answer is, just like the last answer, right. yeah, if they win. I mean, let's face it, if they're, if they're a winning ball club, then people will come and they'll sit in traffic. Now, look, there's no doubt it's a pain in the neck. I come down from Palm Beach County, as you know, Jim, and my wife and kids and I went to the Yankee game on Sunday. On a Sunday, there was traffic on 95 and the 836. During the week, it's brutal. Uh, there's not a lot of parking around the stadium. You have to park five, six, seven blocks away and spend 25 bucks. So that's not ideal yet, the trip down and, and where you're going to park. But again, if they're a winning baseball team, people will sacrifice and, and do those things. Um, I think a lot of fans do come all the way down from Palm Beach County, which makes the trip even longer. So 
uh, really, it, 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 every answer, as you know, Jim, being a part of those Yankee teams that won World Series, and you were being a major part with so many big home runs. If you win, they show up. It's not as easy as what they said to feel the dreams. If you build it, they will come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's that easy. But, but I think if you win, they're going to come. And I think the, I think the Marlins will, will draw 25,000 if they're a good baseball team. Early on, like now, they're off to an 0-2 start. They can afford to lose early uh, right. because it's still new and exciting in the names. But if this thing isn't the June or July and this is not a good baseball team, they, they will not draw. If they are, they will. Yeah, we may have a few more guys on that team changing their name like Mike Stanton did. Right, if we've got a Mike Stanton baseball card from last year, this year he's Juan Carlos Stanton, but it's the same guy, I can promise you that. Yeah, it kind of confused me when I, I watched the ball hit the right field. And I heard Juan Carlos. And I was like, "Who in the heck is Juan Carlos?" Yeah, yeah, yeah I know that was that was. You know, they've got another ball player who uh, you know came here under an alias, you know, Leo Nunez. It's not even his name, and he's not even back in the United States yet. So, got <laughs> a couple of guys that are pretty interesting. Uh, so, tell me a little bit about what, you, how much this has been. I mean, like I said, you and I are New Yorkers through and through. What's it like to be able to cover these guys? What's it like? Are you enjoying it? Is this something that's going to be, you think, exciting for you I, I, for this year? You know, it is for me. You know, listen, I love sports. You know that, Jimmy, and I follow them. I follow them all real closely. And I'm not talking about just football, baseball, and basketball. You know, the Masters is coming up. Uh, it started yesterday, actually. I follow golf very, very closely. I cover those events. I cover all the big boxing events for HBO, I'll be in Vegas in May and July and June. So, you know, and, and tennis as well, or just the Sony Erickson. So I love sports, and I cover all of them. Baseball is my favorite sport, and having the opportunity to, to have a club down here, you know, my, my wife and my, my kids are Yankee fans, so it's kind of cool to take them on Sunday and have them watch their favorite team. And I'm still a Met fan, and I know we're running all with Santana Banks, a great game yesterday, and Mets are off to me. Maybe the only win of the 2012 season came yesterday, but uh, knowing the Mets are going to be down here and having a chance to see them and, Watching Jose Reyes, I saw Jose Reyes play his very first game ever uh, in the majors at shortstop of the New York Mets alongside Jody McDonald at, uh, at Chase Stadium. So uh, it's exciting for me. I love baseball. Uh, these, are, Like I said, they're good guys for the most part. The management wants to win. It's, it's, it's new. It's exciting. There is a new enthusiasm, so this has been fun, yes. Uh, but again, it can all go away very, very quickly. It, it, they've got to play good baseball to keep the momentum going. All right, Sid, you got the Marlins, you got the Panthers, you got the Heat, and you got the Dolphins. Which yeah. team is going to have the first championship? Well, I think it's got to be the Heat. You know, they really are the, uh, the best team. Um, and again, they got the big win over Oklahoma City on Wednesday, so they've now won two straight. Uh, they were very, very close last year. They you know, had a chance to go three games to one on the Mavericks. The next thing you know, they lost the series in six. But now the Miami Heat are the closest team to winning a championship down here, and they're very close. They can do it this year. Uh, after that, it's probably the Marlins. I know the Panthers are back in the playoffs for the first time in 12 years. And, and like I said, they can win the division if they beat Carolina tomorrow night. But uh, you're asking a lot for a team that, that kind of, you know, rebuilding itself, lots of young players, 10, uh, 10 or 15 new faces. And with teams like the Rangers and the Penguins, they're, they're still a ways off. And the Dolphins, of course, are a complete choke. They're, they're, they're a horrible team. So really it just comes down to the, the Marlins probably with your second best bet, even though, look, People were down on the Phillies. You know, Ryan Howard is hurt. Chase Utley's hurt. What do they do? Howard comes out yesterday and they win a baseball game one nothing. They can do any any night. So I think the Heat are close. I think the other three are a distance away. But if I had to rate them, it would be Heat 1, Marlins 2, Panthers 3, and Dolphins 4. 
That's great. That's great. Well, okay, I have to agree with you. I think I'll go with you on that. Listen, Sid, I tell you what, you left New York, you left the Big Apple, the big city, but you're into a situation now where I think any of us five years ago would have never guessed South Florida sports would be as big and as media-driven as it is. Listen, I want to be able to talk to you as much as I can this year. Uh, I know we can get you on WQAM uh, during on 560 during the week. Sid, Anything else you want to say to me before we go? No, it's just great to talk to you again, Jimmy. You know, you were uh, you, you and I became really, really good friends down here, and you know, you provided. Even though I'm a Mets fan, you provided us New Yorkers with so many exciting moments. And my wife and my kids certainly appreciate all those big home runs. So, and you're a good guy. For the people out there listening out in California that don't know you personally, you're one of my favorite people in the business. So it's great to talk to you, and it's great to be on. Thank you, good buddy. All right, he is Sid Rosenberg, WQAM host, and of course a good personal friend of mine. Thanks so much, Sid. Listen, we got exciting things going on. Another opening day today. We we already covered everything yesterday. Today's opening day. Let's go down the list again. It is the Yankees and the Rays in Tampa with CC Sabathia versus James Shields. All right, this should be this could be a matchup of what a lot of people believe are the division winner and the wild card coming out of that division, of course, with the Red Sox being somewhere in that mix. We also have the debut of Robin Ventura and the White Sox versus the defending American League champs, the Rangers, and two first-time starters, John Danks and Kobe Lewis, going against each other. The Twins and the Orioles with Carl Pavano, and, and um, excuse me, I don't know the first name, but it's Arietta for the Orioles. And of course, here, I'm excited because I'm getting ready to get in my car at around 2 o'clock and head down to the Big A to watch the Angels and the debut of Albert Pujols and the new-look Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I still can't get used to saying that one either. They're going to be playing the Royals today, and of course, Jared Weaver versus Bruce Chen. Uh, in the National League, we got the Rockies and the Astros with Guthrie versus Rodriguez, the Giants and the D-backs, Lincecum versus Kennedy, and, of course, the Cardinals and the Brewers, the rematch of last year's NLCS Game 7 National League. We have Jaime Garcia versus Giovanni Gerardo. Listen, I want to thank my guest today, of course, Big Marlin fan and a good personal friend of mine, Todd Watson, for giving us all of the nice information about opening day at the ballpark, the new stadium down there in Miami, and, of course, the new Miami Marlins. And, of course, another good personal friend of mine, Sid Rosenberg, voice of WQAM uh, 560 down there. You can listen to Sid weekly. He has all these players and, of course, all of the excitement that is going on in South Florida with all of these sports teams starting to play well and, of course, starting to become a little bit more of a media capital. Like I mentioned to you, remember, this show has now moved to Thursday starting next week at 11 a.m. 11 a.m. And we are going to debut the new show in New York at the welcome home dinner for the New York Yankees. And I will be in New York for that dinner and also opening day for the New York Yankees against the Angels of Los Angeles on the 13th. So we will be coming live from you next week. Listen, this show is going to take off starting now. 
We are going into the season. I'm going to be around the players. Email me, call in, but most of all, email me because if there's players you want to get a hold of, questions you want asked, I'm the guy that gets it done. All right, call me. I'll make sure I ask those tough questions or those questions that you may want to hear that not everybody out there is willing to ask. That's what we said. We tell it like it is on this show. I am going to borrow as I go out today because, of course, like I said, it's opening day here in Anaheim, a line from Terry Smith, the Angels radio announcer, his famous line. Ladies and gentlemen, I am out of here. We will talk to you next week. We're safe for another week. Thanks for tuning in to the King's Corner, talking baseball with your host, Jim Layritz. We can't wait to have you come back next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great weekend. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. 